Okay. Um, if you are attending this meeting via Zoom, please ensure you are muted and your video is off if you are not actively participating in the meeting. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat and all chats go directly to me. City reserves the right to mute people, individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Did you say you wanted to roll call? Yes, I can do that. Sharon Ashford. Here. Katie Barnett. Present. Sharon Ellenbecker. Present. Here. Travis Herod. Here. Christopher Cohart. Here. John Nalbandian. Here. Stanley Rasmussen. Daniel Smith. Here. Thank you. Okay, it is uh, July 12th, and our first order of business uh, for this meeting is to approve the minutes from April 25th. Uh, do I have any corrections, additions, comments on the minutes? I have a motion to approve. So Second. Second. Discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Extension? Okay. Minutes passed. So the agenda item uh, tonight is to process the community engagement and questionnaire responses. Probably been a minute since we've uh, looked at them and talked about them. Um, so I just on a brainstorm uh, yesterday, I thought um, given that we've digested some or all of these comments that we might take a, a kind of not quite a poll, but just write down what we thought based on that information that we got in terms of where we stand and what might be the points of priorities for discussion, um, given what we heard and given what we're now thinking based on that feedback that we got at the public engagement and in, in and the comments we got online. Um, so I thought that would give us uh, a starting point for that. Uh, does anybody have any uh, comments about the public engagement meetings um, before we delve into? I thought I thought we might talk about where we see these categories um, to start, and then also discuss any any new ideas that came up. Any new categories, any new sort of structural ideas that came from our review of the materials. Um, so does anybody have any general comments to start out with from our, our engagement sessions and our online? Sure, I can express my ideas. So I, I feel like I have some pretty clear takeaways um, from both the questionnaires and the, the in-person uh, engagement. Um, the main things that I took away as far as what I see as the direction we should be going is like there was clear communication from both AHAB folks, historic resource submission folks that feel like their work is something which um, needs to stand alone. Uh, that was really kind of one of the loudest voices in the room. Uh, and it came through both, yeah, literally in the room and also through the questionnaires. So I appreciate that input from folks who have that experience. Um, the other Two things that I kind of took away was um, one was sort of about the 
idea that we should try and keep, keep funding initiatives with policy initiatives. Um, that was also something which is somewhat related to AHAB, but it's like also comes back to the TGT fund, which is some, an idea I have had um, initially. So um, this idea that folks who are making sort of policy decisions around an area could also be the ones making the financial decisions. And so that, that was, those were the three main takeaways that I, I got from those, from the feedback. Um, and then the last thing for me personally, um, just as far as the process is concerned, I feel like uh, so far we've focused a lot on two, two main areas, one of which is sort of the policies surrounding all the boards and commissions and how they operate. The other one is actually the structure of the boards and commissions. Um, but to me, one of which we haven't touched on too much is the plan for how these changes are gonna roll out. So um, for me personally, I just made a note, try and keep in mind, not just those first two, but also that third priority. So I think at the end of this process, it would be really great if we had a solid idea for all three of those, the, the policies for how we feel like boards and commissions should operate to, um, to be most effective, the actual structure of the recommendations, but then also what is the timeline? How, how is the transition gonna happen? Because I, I feel like that is gonna be almost as important as the other two as far as seeing things end up being successful. So. I would like to get to that discussion at some point this evening. Hopefully we'll have enough. The, the first part will go quicker than normal and then we'll be able to have time to talk about that very thing. Structure. Any other con general comments? I mean, I have to echo Daniel's, I mean, from what we heard in person and online was right on in terms of who the two commissions, Historical Resources Commission and AHAB in terms of the Affordable Housing Advisory Board in terms of their comments with regard to what they do. The trust fund issues, keeping money, as you said, keeping money um, with the policy decisions and then ideas for which committees should remain standing alone uh, in their opinion. Um, so to get a start, I wondered if, if we went through, if this works for you all, um, if we went through these categories and um, just sort of discussed again, um, if we have in our own person, in our own minds have rearranged a bit based on this com commentary that we got and ask further questions and sort of just go through and see if we have any differences among us and what would might be a point of discussion. Does that work for everybody? Mm -hmm. Exercise. Um, so start with strong welcoming neighborhoods. Uh, I, I'll just start with asking a, a quick question. Um, so I put, I still have the Board of Zoning and People's and Historic Resources Commission under that for one committee, um, although I'm not wedded to that because that was one of the strongest voices um, that we heard. But it's based on a question I have for Craig. Um, the Building Code Board of Appeals, is that something that could be categorized as an operational board? So it wouldn't, it would be of a different, it would be in that other category of boards because it's so prescriptive about who can be on that. It seems to stand out amongst, and that would lessen the workload for if those two others were combined. I mean, we still need to talk about workload, but I'm just wondering, can that be an operational board? I think it needs to be something that's independent of operations because it is a 
it is an appeal of the administrative decision that staff is making. So the administrative experts, you don't want to have, you got to have that outside of their chain of command. If okay. So, so then, it is operational, but it's but, a question of it's a review of the operational or administrative decisions. So it can't go in that category as we see it. That's on there. So um, given that, and given that all the prescriptions for this building court, building code board of appeals, is there any way that really can be combined with anything? It's, I mean, the, every, all the positions are basically prescribed for uh, technical is expertise. That statutorily defined? In, in the city code, I believe, does call for you know, licensed engineering, licensed structural engineering and architect, mechanical, electrical. So that is called out of the city code, I, I believe, if there's some expertise from those interpretations come forward, there's someone who might feel that. But is it defined in your statutes, though? Under city code. Right, the state statute doesn't require to have this? I'm... I'll say it mimics every other city that I've ever been in, in any state, that they usually define these <clears> experts <throat> that you're going to have your own experts questioned. You want to make sure that mm -hmm. these have a special right. piece. Mm -hmm. um, because that's what that board is. It's a battle of the experts, right? You know, <laughs> city's experts versus Correct. the experts right. appealing. And so that's what makes it a little different from, you know, historical resource commission or zoning appeals where like say on the HRC, you have, on it's not required for membership on HRC to have a background in architecture or, you know, history or something like that. But certainly there are people on the board with that background and it definitely, it definitely does good things for their ability to participate in that board the way, you know, we'd want them to. And then same with the board of zoning appeals, it's nice that if someone like me that has, you know, some experience of, you know, land use issues is sitting on that, but it's not necessary. It's, you know, a citizen can sit on that and hear BCA stuff, but, you know, with the, yeah, but what this, with this one, you know, it's like, we actually have to have credential people sitting on it. And now suddenly we want, we were, you know, we're thinking maybe we roll it into BCA and HRC just it doesn't feel like it wants to fit very well, right? And we we could do it, but I think it'd be a problem. I think we have all problems by the nature of it. What is the overlap? And this is one of the areas where I have the least experience. What is the overlap? Like we've heard pretty strongly from the HRC folks that they feel like with what they do fundamentally. It's different from what the other the other boards in this area do. Or how much overlap is there between BZA and the board of running I mean, or the BZA and the, the the building code board of appeals? Do you say that they're closer than the HRC is to either of them? Yeah, you know, I think that BZA and the boarding the building code <laughs> board of appeals, they might live with each other a little little better, though their workload is suddenly going to go up. Um, but, you know, 
they might exist with each other better. Um, and so that's that's possible. I mean, because you know, board of zoning appeals. What you're doing there is your your staff has made some sort of determination, and an applicant appeals it. Okay, so now it's in front of the board of zoning. You know, board of zoning appeals. And so you have these, you know, citizen appointees that are interpreting code. You know, do they do they interpret code? Do, do they agree with staff's interpretation of the code, or do they, you know, agree with the applicant? Um, you don't have to have a technical background to do that. You just have to be willing to you know, do the homework and read the code and and you know weigh weigh it out. So I think those two could possibly live together. Um, sounds like though, if those two could be together, then having all three sounds like the workload would be too tremendous to have all three together as we have it in this draft. So if the, those two could exist together and then having resources separate. I also think, I also think that if we combined historic resources with the other with the other groups would really undermine the credibility of this group. Because the historic resources people are so adamant and so strong, you know, they, I wouldn't doubt that they would feel like, you know, they've been undermined and so on and so forth. I guess the way I looked at it was I looked at the comments that the folks regarding HRC were making, and they were somewhat strident. <laughs> but um, the way I interpreted it was, I just felt like you know perhaps not that board of zoning appeals is not important, and not that you know the building code board of appeals isn't important, but just HRC, it's it occupies a space where they're trying to steward and shepherd you know, and complete this mission. Um, you have some people sitting on that board with some, you know, with some very helpful skill sets, though not required to be on that board, but yet there they are, you know, folks with these, you know, architecture backgrounds and engineering backgrounds and whatever. And so you're getting a lot, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck out of that board. And so I really didn't have a lot of heartache letting them, just saying, you know, their mission is important enough that we can set them aside and let them go on as is and think about, you know, could possibly BZA and Building Code Board of Appeals be combined. Because like Dr. Nalbanian is saying, I think if you rolled HRC in with those other two, I think a lot of folks on HRC would throw up their hands, would be frustrated. And then also some would, I think, would get pushed out because you Descriptively, you have to bring in people with certain backgrounds, you know, to be able to hear the the building code appeal stuff. And I think you. So that that's how I kind of reasoned it in my mind. We we haven't talked about science. Sherry had a oh, go ahead. Both of these appeal boards. Is there an avenue for the applicant if they don't like the way their appeal went? And that is district court, is that right? Yes. Or is it? Yeah, it's, okay. yeah, it would be it would be considered final administrative action, and that would open the door to the courthouse. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I so I wanted to know. 
so the sign code board of appeals is part of this it's like an, an extra duty of BZA that yeah. I think I brought this up once a long time ago because in, in my time with the Cultural Arts Commission, sign code comes up every once in a while. Um, and so it's something that I'm like a little curious about in general. I think I've asked questions, but how, how often with the more of an BZA knowledge background, how, how often do the sign code appeals come up? It, it seems like it comes up like, I don't know, if I had Yes, I'd say like one third time, like every third meeting or something, there might be an item for the sign code board sitting there. So certainly they don't seem to be uh, generating as much uh, work as BA itself. That's my snapshot of it. It's because it's listed with the BCA, but it is just that also it's the same body that it's they, they. so when they actually you know, do their appointed duties, BZA will adjourn and the sign quote Board of Appeals will convene, right? So they are actually two different bodies, but they have the exact same membership. And, and talking about the, the, some of the expertise that goes in building, board, board, building code Board of Appeals and the BZA, like from my knowledge of the sign code Board of Appeals, it, it was largely a process was instigated by idea that certain kinds of signage would be would would not sort of the feel of the community it's much it, it, do you think those judges are are expertise or or, or, or sort of based on like an assessment judgment on like, what, what fits the community honestly i don't think i'm i don't think i'm i'm advising you incorrectly when i say when i sit there as a member of the sign code board of appeals my job is exactly the same as when I sit there on the Board of Zoning Appeals, which is staff has made some determination based on our code. The applicant, you know, doesn't, you know, agree, appeals, and you're just interpreting code. You know, it's, you just got to be willing to, to read the code and consider it and, and then render a decision. So if I'm getting the, the feel of the group right now, we have uh, under strong welcoming neighborhoods, that particular uh, topic, we have essentially two standing committees. We have one that's the boarding, the combination of the Board of Zoning Appeals and Building Code of Appeals and the Historic Resources Commission. Does that have, anybody have anything different? Mind for that. Okay. So strong welcoming neighborhoods, we have those two standing committees. I mean, that this is this is something we would recommend. Next step to the city commission. Did we say historic resource or the building code of appeals? Zoning appeal, BZA and then code of appeals would stay. And the would, question would was- Would be a combination. And then the second committee under that, under that category of strong welcoming neighborhoods is the historic resources commission as a standing committee. So, there, so that's for that. So that's what- people are thinking. And that's what we'd recommend the city commission. Okay. Sharon, would it be helpful if I write it up on the whiteboard for y'all? Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and talking to the, to the the process, like I, I said at the beginning, I think that it would be nice if in, in our eventual recommendation, I mean, because there is an issue of capacity with combining the, the BZA and the Public Code Board of Appeals, I think that there would have to be language as to, I know the code, like zoning stuff is under review. so. 
I, I think there would have to be an understood expectation that the, um, the workload is going to get going to be at an appropriate level by the time the transition is is made. And I think that that would involve. Well, that's going to be a lot of rewriting of the bylaws to how the, these things are structured. Yes. Well, and in addition, I think what we should expect is that after the city commission approves whatever it is that they do in terms of the restructuring, there ought to be like a, a feedback uh, period, like uh, we'll revisit this in a year and we'll see how these things are working. I don't think, you know, these things are not, we can't say that this is the way it should be all the time. So we need, I, you know, I'm assuming that that would occur. Although. Well, I think that came up at the community engagement meeting that this is a first step. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, we're going to try something different. We'll say this yeah. is a first step. It will get tweaked. They'll be, we'll see what works, what doesn't. It's not written in stone. Um, and I think when we do, when we write our report, we need to acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, so how about uh, safe and secure? Uh, currently, uh, we just have the Community Police Review Board and the Body Work Advisory Board going to the Lawrence Douglas Health Department. Does anybody have any concerns after public comment of having the Body Work Advisory Board move to the Lawrence uh, Douglas County Health Department? Is that something that they have to approve? Is that something that they have to accept? So, so I, I have two things. <laughs> About this, first of all, one of the question and one of the questionnaires, one of the, the, that was sent in, yeah. somebody was concerned that the, that the body work advisory board would essentially be be dismissed. The health department it, itself, the staff health department, would take on full responsibilities. Whereas, I think my my thought process when I think we like originally started talking about this was that there would still be an advisory board made up of practitioners of body work. They just would they would just be under the supervision of the health department and communicate with a, a liaison at the health department, but having it at the city. Um, so I think because I think having feedback from individuals who, who work doing body work is so important. Um, so that was that was one, one thing in the questionnaire is that somewhere someone was concerned. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, I work in the health department. John's on the health board. Um, the health department has regulatory. Services and and is, is happy to to take that on. Yeah. So we know that that could. Okay. Um. So that's the community police report. Did anybody have anything else in that category, safe and secure? Yeah. Um. I do think that at one point we had talked about sort of taking because community police review board is really the only thing that lives under safe and secure, and so the question of is this is the community police board going to sort of be re imagined as a safe and secure board. Um, and I don't know if we've ever really explained on that before, but to me, like having the community police review board called the community police re- review board and not be the safe and secure board is important because I mean, they have a pretty specific charge, which is to be community members reviewing the actions of, of departments. So even though we have these categories, and and this will come, I'll bring this up again later. I don't think that I think this they can be under the, the umbrella of safe and secure, but I think retaining that name is is important. 
speaking of having that uh, umbrella, um, one thing I, you know, I've always thought the community police report is something that's sort of like beyond the scope of what we're doing here in terms of, because they've got their own thing going on. Yeah, it's so, but, as well. Right. Right. Still trying to figure right. out how to create it and what to right. do with it, right? Yeah. So. But I had another, oh, go ahead. Well, I'm curious in this discussion, you're really going back to status quo. Right, that's what I was going to say. There's an assumption that everything that exists today must continue to exist and that it is immaculately guided <laughs> from its inception and has to continue exactly as it is. I think the charge from the city commission was, what is the, what is the very best way to do the work? What committee structure would support this work, which is the reason we exist. So there's been lots of references about, well, they have to stay because they believe that this work is the most important thing, except that that harkens back to 1973 or that harkens back to 1983 or whatever. So there, there are things that have existed without discussion in their current status. And I think the charge was, why is that the best going forward if the strategic plan is centered in this discussion? So you, you seem to all anchor back to, well, this must be this way because it is. Well, I would retort, <laughs> which is, I think it will be mostly good news for you, which is, so... Board of Zoning Appeals is statutory, so it doesn't, right? it just doesn't, right? So, so it stays, so it is immaculately conceived. <laughs> and uh, Tony, does Building Code Board of Appeals, is it also statutory? Um, These are, we did sort them <laughs> in an early document. Well, that one, so it sounds like we might make a recommendation that building code board of appeals roll into your BZA, which you statutorily have to have to begin with, then I would say something, speaking for myself, I think HRC's mission is, is important enough and they do it well enough that, okay, you guys, you survived the calling. And then I land at, you know, we had our meeting, it's been a little while ago when, you know, we had our as needed staff convened operational boards, there you go, that's your off ramp. I mean, because you can get that work done, you know, and convene those things on an ad, ad needed basis. There you go. I mean, I, I was a fan. I thought it was a great idea. So you got my vote. <laughs> One of my concerns with the, the, the combining all three of those was not so much uh, was based mostly on, on, on workload, but the Historic Resources Commission, some of the I've read in the paper are going to be administrative. So maybe the workload isn't so as much as I thought it was. I think, I wonder if we weren't headed in that direction of acting more as a community with these boards, you know, and letting them be overlapping and, and then suddenly we had these meetings with this pushback from very prepared folks and now we're all back in our little groups 
what are silos, what do they call them now? I mean, so the pushback, it was like change and then change back. And I think we were headed in another direction before we were, the community engagement session I went to, those folks were pretty well prepared and pretty, pretty ready to do battle to keep their domains. So I think that what we're seeing now is some retreat because we were pushed upon. But we still have lots more categories yes. to go. And, right. and, I, and I think by the time we end this, we will have something different here. Maybe we, that's, that looks like the same, but I would like to propose that we keep going and there, this may turn out to be not quite as similar as it, as I'm, you're worried about. You already know where I am. Okay, so. They're gonna hit 10 or less. Right. Yeah, there's so, a bit of hard to find. But think about I'm this, I'm in the Craig is even yeah. you know, with me sitting here like, you got me, you know, I'm ready to sign right now. I don't know how everybody else here would vote, you know, as far as a recommendation to pass up. But then, you know, here's you know, here's something else that I don't think we can ignore. You know, like I'm sitting here looking at community police review board. Well, the thing is, here we are trying, you know, to cull the herd and you know really make some progress on reducing the number of these standing board, the commissions, or whatever. But it seems like given the interest of the city commission and the interest of the Lawrence community, seems like you're going to get another board. You know, so here, as we're trying to shrink, one is trying to be born because, I mean, they've been working with this thing. I mean, they've been drafting proposed code for this thing for three years, and they've just got done starting again. So clearly there's interest at the top of the food chain to make this thing come alive. And so here, it's, it's, that's a lot of assumptions. But I mean, and I, and I past performance is a predictor of future behavior. And it's like the, the city commission has stayed with this thing for three years. So, well, yes, and it has an extremely narrow definition. There has been no alternative. This offers the opportunity to suggest alternatives that are broader and that are directly tied to the strategic plan. Remember, there was no strategic plan when the initiation of the Community Police Review Board was made. It did not exist. So again, if you were building a brand new model with this centered, what would it look like? I actually put something different in here. I had the community review board and I actually ended up re rethinking this and thinking about under safe and secure, I would put affordable housing and human relations committee under safe and secure. So um, are you, where would the community police review board go though? Or is, it, under safe and secure. Oh, okay. Oh, just having those all in that category. For, for me, I, the only the only board that I actually put under safe and secure was the community police review board. And I, I also did pencil in, I mean, I think if we are trying to like get away from what has existed and think about what could exist. I mean, there could be, if there was going to be a safe and secure board, like I think that there, there's definitely room for that. There's room to have a board which the stated goal is specifically to like hit on the objectives under the safe and secure strategic outcome area. Um, I just think that the community police reward board is going to be in addition to that. And, and I know that part of part of our responsibility is, is look to try and reduce numbers a little bit. So I think 
adding boards on on my uh, on the, the PDF I submitted. I think I, I deleted it last minute, but I had safe and secure board and community police review board. I can pull um, that. Did you you didn't you didn't bring it a copy? No. Okay. No, uh, let me. Uh, no, it's fine. But but yeah. So for a while, when I was working through these, I had a safe and secure board, but it did, just didn't it didn't supplant the community police review board. So I think all the scope of the community police review board it has been pretty narrow. I think having a, a body which has a very specific, I think the scope of it could be expanded, um, but having it just specifically be immigrants, have it specifically be being a review body. Um, so You know, that police review board, um, I went to one of the meetings. Uh, I, know, I know Jonathan Morris, who's the facilitator, and he said, what he said was, um, He's trying to look more broadly. How do we deal with compliance? But he said the is all about deal with compliance. The people who come, who have come, that's what they're interested in. So, you know, that's a that's that's a real challenge. I'm a, I'm I'm on the board of these these two boards are combined into safe and secure. And we reimagine safe and secure in a broader spectrum. I don't think we need a separate community review board or a, a body work advisory board. I think these two can be combined and larger rethoughts to, to fit the, what we want to do as a community is said is under the strategic plan. Yeah, the, the review board is already on. Right. I mean, what do you, how are you going to, what are you going to do? All that work, all you did it, we're in different directions. And that's the, that's the, been asked to do. Mission. They're all, let's fun. talk about they doing work. I want to, you know, poking here and see right. what I can get Craig to, to tell them. <laughs> but so think about, I'm looking right now at the affordable housing advisory. And so then I cheated and I went to the paper. And so just in the last couple of days, you know, we've had a lot of articles. So the city is about ready to peel off some funding to create the homeless programs department, right? And then we also have a woman who's the affordable housing administrator. So she's already, what, looped into the affordable housing advisory board, probably? She is a staff liaison. Okay. So it sounds like you've got a ton of staff muscle there that could do that lifting. Right. So, I mean, just as I sit here, it sounds like that's one that could be that could be done away with and could be convened on an as needed basis. So, I mean, you've got two whole departments within the city working the same issue from different angles. So, I mean, surely there's enough resources allocated to it and staff know how they could carry that. And if they do need some extra help, then convene one of these operational boards as needed and work the problem, disband it, and move on. I mean, that's, so here, you know, in spirit of full disclosure, I've never gone to an AHAB meeting, but at the same time, it's just, I'm looking at resources that city's already allocated, you know, that, that sit squarely in that camp. So it sounds like, the, you know, what, what, Justification does affordable housing advisory board, you know, have for for remaining? If I'm the average citizen, which I guess I am. Um, another another just riffing off of of that, 
um, it could be that if if that were still to exist, maybe that that gets to this workload issue. Whereas we still have a community board that's set up to help advise the committee, but maybe because there's so much staff, it's not concentrated in that committee. I mean, there's enough, as you put it, lifting with staff, but there's still some way for the community to work in that advisory capacity as it stands down, but with less, less of a workload, more or more directed workload, a more directed mission. What I so I, mean, good, I was just thinking because that's why I, I somehow what I was trying to do when I looked through this list again was get rid of the commitments as standalone committees. And if we were just going to go with the five strategic plans and get rid of because I felt really odd about lifting those those two particular commitments to a standalone committee. So I said, well, where could I put equity equity inclusion as one of those commitments that the whole city. As a, I mean, everything should be looking at equity and inclusion. So if I was going to say what was under that, AHAP was under that, well, to me, that speaks to safe and secure. So that's how I ended up combining all of that. Affordable housing, human relations, and community police report with the trust fund. I mean, I, I, I too don't want to separate the, the trust fund and, the, and AHAP. Um, but if there's... I don't know how that speaks to the workload if you have staff doing a lot of the work, maybe that safe and secure can still work because the staff, there's so much staff with AHAB. I don't know if that really makes any sense, but. Um, I personally don't know if, if I would put AHAB, the work of AHAB under safe and secure. I think safe and secure is, is much, is, to me, the, the scope, there is different, but I will say to, to your point that idea that the city is making big investments into a lot of these issues. Um, I, I would I would flip that and say that if, if the city is going to be doing a lot more work and putting a lot more investment into these areas, I you know these boards and com committees are one of the best arenas for individuals in the public to give feedback and, and begin engaging on those things. So to me, having more investment and more work actually means that having a specific board which is, is elevated to address that is, is more needed, not, not necessarily less needed. There's more activity, more investment, like more engagement is, is what you're gonna want. Okay, so we're not coming to any uh, safe and secure conclusions here. Let's, I mean, I think what, affordable what's housing here is just the community police report. I mean, that becomes the safe and secure. That's it. I can understand what you're saying on affordable housing. My only issue is just, you know, expertise. And I know it's not statutorily required, but the affordable housing and community review and body work, I think there is some synergies with that. But pulling in affordable housing and making determinations on what makes sense from affordable housing and usage of those affordable housing trust funds. I don't know that necessarily would fit. We'd find the right mix of people that can all kind of work together in that. I think the BZA, the Code of Appeals, I think they can still work, but I, I don't see affordable housing just from the, the, the experience, mix of experience would work great in that whole body. Um, so you recognize just a, a standalone uh, committee outside the five- I'm not quite ready to plan. say that, but I'm not necessarily ready to say safe and secure. So I, I'd come back to- 
I'm, I'm holding that out. I, I get your point of us not putting these two particular commitments out there, but um, I still would say community review board and body work stays and safe, secure as a- Well, the body work is, we've sort of all, yeah. they said it's gonna to go to LMH. So that's not in the mix anymore. Oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, the county. Yeah, sorry. Okay. I can play this, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> but the safe and secure, not necessarily, I'm not quite there on affordable housing, but as we get towards the end, maybe I would be closer to that. Does anybody have else have any other ideas about safe and secure? Because right now we've got, Safe and secure with just as as the community police review board, and then a, potentially a standalone AM. I could get on board with you saying human relations as you proposed human relations being a safe and secure as well. So human relations and community police review board. I think it kind of depends on how you look at safe and secure. If you look at safe and secure as being protected by the police, and then if something's wrong with that. That works. But if you look as safe and secure as more of a harmony with your community, then these other boards fit right in there. Maybe to me, I've, my interactions with the police have been twice in the last, three times in the last 10 years, you know, once for a taillight and once for a break in and I don't know, some other little thing, a failure to stop, but I really did stop. Um, <laughs> but maybe to me, the idea of my neighborhood and, and the housing and stuff, it makes me feel more secure than what happens with the police. So I think there is some opportunity there to make it more embracing. Um, I think that community police review board is is something that's going to be thorny for many years uh, because you have two diametrically opposed populations, people that see them as their friends and people that see them as the fuzz as the enemy. So, um, so we can continue on. Could we at least under the safe and secure? I mean, I, I heard, I forgot it. Is everybody okay with putting the police review board and human relations together under that? Or no, because that was the other thing that Chris just brought up. Um, I feel like, I mean, honestly, to me, the community police re review board, given like what, if you read through the bylaws and everything, it, it's really, you know, look, turning the page and looking at this equity and inclusion commitment area section, the community police review board is really kind of meant to is, is really more about making sure that the practices of the police are, are equitable. Where whereas like all the outcomes, the specific, all the, the goals and the safe and secure are about the proper, you know, it, it are about um they're they're like metrics making sure that our community is, is safe and secure primarily from like a fire police sort of starting point. Whereas the police review board, I mean, obviously they are focusing on the police, but their goals are really more ensuring that our community is, is equitable in, in, in the actions. But that doesn't mean that a, it being under safe and secure, that can't still be true. Because what we said is that it, all of these commitments, all these boards should be thinking about equity and inclusion and all that they did, not just, just one board. They all should be. So part of that 
part of the safe and secure mission should be equity sure. inclusion. I just feel like that's as as it relates to that, community police. Me, the thing that connects the community police review board and the thing that connects the HR, the human relations commission. I guess I can't do an abbreviation there. It's the same as historic. Yeah. Um, and the human relations commission is really a focus on equity, but we can as they currently exist. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, but as Dr. Albandian said at the public hearing, three years from now, what what it is three years from now will be what exists, and people won't even think about what had existed initially. But I, I mean, I definitely agree that those two can can live next to each other wherever wherever they are. So we we at least have the police review board under SAS safe and secure. We at least have that. Another way to look at this is to think of safe and secure. Okay, so what functions need to be fulfilled in order for community to feel safe and secure? If we start with the functions that need to be fulfilled, then we go to the structure that would enable the fulfillment. So I think like what you're saying, I mean, if, if, if safe and secure goes beyond physically safe and secure, um, then there are some other functions that need to be fulfilled. And we may be talking about an advisory board that doesn't exist in the present. I don't think we've been able to come up with as a, as a committee these we haven't been able to define those. That will be left for the future to define. What else? We, we, we haven't been able to think, what else could we put under these categories besides what exists? We haven't come up with a committee, new roles for advisory or citizens well, advising the city. We Craig, come up with that. Craig what, what was the city council, what were they thinking of when they when they came up with this category, safe and secure. I mean, what did, it, it must've gone beyond the police. Absolutely, and I remember specifically um, a lot of discussion around not-for-profits, um, non-governmental. Yeah, That's where you see the language of yeah. community-based safety resources. Yeah. And you see um, here even locally talking about mental health that isn't, police or fire, it's a, probably another dispatch point at dispatch that we're working on, community health resources. So it, there was a lot of conversation about that that broadened it besides our traditional police and fire. Actually, just, just saying that under that category, I, I find that an intriguing idea is defining a new thing. That'd be one thing we could do. If we put that under their community health resources under safe and secure. It gives that safe and secure a little more something else. It might not exist right now, but just a note that that's, that kind of thing would be included in there. That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, a coalition, yeah. of an advisory board, an advising a coalition of nonprofits that would have as their purpose safe and secure community. Yeah, I, I kind of go back to the strategic plan on all this. And, and I think 
what's the new stuff in safe and secure that isn't exact, isn't currently existing in any board is exact, enhance our partnerships with community organizations and government agencies. Like it's very clear right here in what one of our strategies of the strategic plan is to do that. So that's a charge of this new safe and secure board is to, is to ensure that we're doing that role. That's, that's the new responsibility of them. Something we I don't have to create anything new. We have a lot of new stuff already defined. And we talked about internally is these are dynamic. We, we did a beautiful job printing up a, a static book, <laughs> right. which is really pretty. But these need to continue to evolve. And wouldn't it be interesting to have a group of citizens to work with the subject matter experts internally to say, what are our next strategies? Here's some things we're thinking of. What do you think of those? So that co-creation of this is where our next work is going to go that flows into the budget, that flows right. into the staffing plans at all. But we're, we're bringing the community in to help us, guide us on this and to be a sounding. And I think that's what's envisioned with this future state. Now, that may lead to, oh, well, but we want this accountability. It's very important, particularly with policing, that we want to have this other accountability Let's talk about what that needs to be. And that may be where that's honored, um, but it is, again, it's a, it's a mission that is built out of the strategic plan and the evolution of that. <laughs> with, with that said, I, I would propose to the sound fiscal stewardship. We have a special alcohol fund advisory board. I think we throw that in safe and secure. Mm -hmm. Special alcohol because that's it, those funds are directed towards that. Type right, of thing. and most of that's done internally now. Uh -huh. But having an advisory board that can still oversee mm -hmm. maybe um, usage of those funds, and yeah, you know, there there could be some component of that. But if we're trying to put a previous board under a new title, I think we that out of a commitment and put that under. Say it still falls the community basic that is very clear, safe and secure. But I think that could still yeah, and work. Those, that is the, what that fund dedicated for. Right. And yes, and right now it's, it's being utilized for that, just that not three four. Yeah. How this works. You have this one board. People have this. Okay, so you have the safe and secure board. Is everybody on that also part of the community police review? Unless you're just chairs or dominoes, you, you've got to make. So how does it? How's this? That's the next that's topic. Pull that off. Yeah, that's the, the 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 details. It's envisioned at least while all these under these categories, all those three things currently under safe and secure. I mean, all those would fall under that committee. So that, however many people it is, will be doing community police review board work. So you may have been talking about the, the tax for, from the alcohol and how you're going to allot it to the various organizations that work with addiction or whatever. And now suddenly you're talking about a policeman that acts out of line. Yep. And you're supposed to do it all. Well, we get, that's that's the next topic of discussion. Okay. So, so yes. to me, with the way they were writing them up, up there, also over on Salt Lake Safe Welcoming Neighborhoods, right. 
Those are currently, according to this group, two separate. Yeah. They're under that umbrella, but they're still standing committees. Whereas, oh. that, yeah, whereas under SAS, we're proposing that that all be combined. Yeah. And, uh, board of Appeals, we did. Yeah. It's part of zoning. Yeah. Building code, but it's its own board. No, no, no. no. Building code is part of zoning. So if you erased Historic Resource Commission, joined Building Code Board of Appeals, BZA, then you could write Historic Resources Commission in again. So, so for me, with this safe and secure area, I, I feel like, I mean, I said this at the kind of beginning that I had initially had two, two boards under safe and secure, one which was general safe and secure board, and one which was the community police review board. That's because, and I feel like having, I think having a safe and secure board would be great. One, you know, fostering these partnerships with community um, organizations, doing all that work that we were just talking about. But then when it comes time to review complaints, specific complaints against the police department, that seems like just a very specific urge. And it seems, like, in, in my opinion, the community police review board has to just be a separate single purpose thing. Well, but that would imply that there, as it currently stands, there has to be some sort of, you have some experience or something that, and is that something that's currently under the police review obligations that you have a certain level of experience with police to, to be on that board? Because if not, then I don't know that, that that matters. And also just in terms of process here, I think how I vision, and try, please correct me if this is wrong, but I mean, we can, we can come up with a recommendation to the city commission, but the city commission should listen to all these arguments and maybe what what Daniel's saying speaks to them. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. So, right. So, I mean, it's not like, so I, I think it might be helpful for the city commission um, for us to come up with a set of recommendations and maybe we could take a vote on that. And then there would be a vote for, well, I think let's do this little tweak. I recommend we do this little tweak. And then I think that would help the city commission. But it's not like, I mean, that they're going to hear all yeah. these arguments and make their decisions. So, well, it's also BCA sign mm -hmm. code joins with building code as a standalone. Mm -hmm. This is a standalone. Mm -hmm. Recognizing it is sort of related to the okay. neighborhoods. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yes. And the community health resources, I, in here, it's community-based safety resources. So health opens a whole other very large bucket. <laughs> right, it's, it's up there because it carries forward. So it's safety is what you specifically said. This says, um, Lawrence's community where all people feel safe and secure and have access to trusted public and community-based safety resources. Okay. I thought I thought I heard health. So I, it was mental health, I guess. We were mental health. Yeah. Uh, emergency. Emergency stuff. Health is not, in my mind, health is not included because it's not a formal city responsibility. Well, community health resources wasn't, isn't an existing board. It was just a new idea for safe and secure. But as I understand it, it's specifically with safety Correct. in mind, not yes. you know, preventative health and wellness and exercising and right. all the other things that people under health. So maybe it's too confusing to have it up there right now while we're sorting. Well, I think that you could put safety, just safety resources up there. It says community-based safety resources. Safety resources. Yeah. 
we want that in this area. Yeah, it's like I, I would just erase health and put safety from that yeah. spot. Get safety resources. Yeah. So if we could, we can come back, but let's go on to prosperity and economic security. So then human relations commission's not on there. We, that, there's still Ahab and human relations over in the question mark box. Okay. Making sure I'm keeping yeah. it. So now we've got prosperity and economic security. Um, so that's trans currently with transient guest public incentives, potentially aviation. Um, I changed that up a little bit. Anybody else? So I will start and say that I changed the prosperity and economic security area to have have no boards under it. And, and I, I brought this up before, and I feel like when we were originally trying to separate things into categories, we, we, st we struggled when we first got prosperity and economic security. Partially, it's because we're fortunate to have an incredibly capable chamber of commerce that does a lot of great work to foster prosperity and economic security. Obviously, they're not part of they're not part of the city, of, you know, government. They're they're external, but I feel like there are a lot of um, I feel like they they are big in that space. I feel like, um, and I, I don't think aviation belongs there. Um, but I feel like that area just kind of ends up being a little bit uh, a little bit vacant. And so on my on my PDF I sent over, I, I actually put in, I didn't put any words prosperity. Other people, what did you have under there? Anything different? I put an aviation board under connected cities. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with, I think they should do transient guest tax advisory board and public incentive review committee as part of the roles and responsibilities that uh, prosperity and economic security does. I added the sales tax audit. Yeah, I'm good with that. The, yeah. What was the third one? I heard sales tax audit. Sales tax audit. Tax. The second one. Uh, public incentive. Yeah. I got that one. Transient, transient guest tax. Yeah. Thank you. So, so okay. when we were talking about, about AHAB and trying to keep the funding with mm -hmm. the policy, early on, I, I talked about well, the, the transient guest tax. That every, I mean, you know, ordinarily those funds are to put on essentially either artsy events or sporty events. It's generally with the breakdown. It's and there's usually a little bit of conflict there. Um, have a, a commissioner, a cultural arts commissioner who serve, serves on the uh, transient guest tax advisory board. So my initial suggestion way back, I don't know, seems like it was years ago, was for us to abolish transient guest tax advisory board and to take that fund and establish a percentage of it, which would go towards what I colloquially call artsy things and a percentage that goes towards Forty things, and then have the Cultural Arts Commission determine where the artsy funding goes, and the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board determine where the the sporty funding goes. I think that's. Is that even within the purview to do something like that? The transient guest tax. There, there is a statute that controls those parts, and um, we do charter out of them. So we have a charter ordinance, and it it. Um, you know, part of it is to promote convention um, and visitors bureau type events and mm -hmm. to increase like the number of hotel beds that are used in the community. So we currently have 
some guidelines for how that's supposed to be used and how how the funds can be dispersed. You know, charter ordinances are ordinances, so they are subject to being changed. Um, but if, as it currently exists. But if you did something like that, these are, first of all, these are people apply for these funds, right? You just, it's not the MacArthur Awards. You no, know, yeah, people can get them. Okay, so what if somebody wanted to have a convention about, bring a convention to town about um, space or something like that, that was a knowledge-based convention, then they wouldn't have any place to apply, but it might bring as many people and different people and people that would never come here because they've been coming for years to the artsy and the sportsy. Okay. You don't have another avenue for that. Thank you for that very specific example, but that's kind of why I thought it was in prosperity and economic security. So you broaden that that base. It needs, it, if, if it just involves getting money from hotels to get more people to come here. It can't just be two. It's got to be a world of different interests. I agree. If, I agree. if the economics work, whether it's art, sports, or, or knowledge, it, if, it, if the economics work and it fits within the guidelines, then it should be funded under one umbrella. It, I agree. I've just been provocateur here the whole time, but um, so on these, on these funding boards, okay, Good point out here. We just presented my budget uh, to the city commission. About three million dollars is subject to volunteer boards and commissions allocate spending. Less than one percent. Whole budget, yeah, not including capital, is four hundred and fifty some million dollars. So do you think without volunteer boards and commissions directing most of that spending that it's not effectively being utilized, strategically being utilized, tactically being utilized to accomplish these other things that we do? So are you suggesting on Daniel's point, we just abolish all of them? I'm not, I mean, I'm not suggesting that, no, but what I'm I am just, saying is, is that some of these things that have evolved over time have been, mm -hmm. well, we don't know anything about that yet. Maybe let's put some volunteers out there who seem to be interested in it and they can help administer that. Um, but I would you know, say, we just the sewer fund, we don't have a citizen's board that's administering right huge amounts of dollars that you're spending and ratepayers are giving us. Is that a problem? So I'm not suggesting more, but I am suggesting, is it really necessary that you have a policy board doing relatively small grants for a very small portion of our overall budget? Or could we have policy boards saying, hey, this is what we need to do next. This is our next move. We recommend that this be the next policy change. We recommend here's some feedback to the departments that are administering these funds on some things that would be good. We'd like to see more of this. Is that still a very important role that is very powerful and impactful, 
but doesn't have, I'm going to allocate each year some portion of money for who knows to apply and who has access to apply. So my little speech on that, I've had some staff discussions on this as well, especially related to you need to keep the policy with the expenditure. And I agree, I agree with that if that's what you're going to do. Don't separate them out and give one to a finance board, which was the concern, and the other to the policy. But I'm just pointing out, we spend a whole bunch of money, I think, effectively accomplishing a lot of mission that isn't a citizen advisory board that meets part-time allocated. How much money do we spend? In, the, in these boards and commissions? Yeah. I'm guessing $3 million. I think Ahab's got about a $1.3 something. Um, TGT, I don't know. I don't remember exactly how much it is. It's, three, it's not $3 million, but it's, that would be the, the upper end. Less than 1% of the city's yeah. budget. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah. And, and the, the administrative, the administration, the administrative cost of that method of allocation is very high. I, I would be in, I would, my proposal would be to include this and these responsibilities under prosperity and economic security. And then if the city commission's will is to pull the allocation of those funds back to the city manager and the city commission, to allow them to do that upon the review of this, our proposals. So what, what Greg is suggesting, if you look up here and we want a visual representation of that, it would basically be an asterisk because it would be a new thing. There wouldn't be anything particularly under that. It, it would be these, these three things that we've got. So transient, public, and sales tax audit, basically wouldn't one idea combine decisions under this prosperity security but if they're going to exist it's just become a new thing if those funds will not be distributed based on this advice advisory then it becomes a whole new thing with an asterisk it's just like okay someday that space in with something that's kind of what i'm getting visually represented up here is it would be a new thing public I, I mean I guess and economic security I think our like I said I think our proposal is these are all included under the prosperity and economic security with all its other new roles as we've reimagined it but it's going to take these responsibilities on and if the city commission says you know what we don't need someone telling us how to spend transient guest taxes we do a pretty good job of economic development yeah. we'll we'll do that internally and let them make that determination to, to do that. First, I thought my first thought was perhaps boards are to, to debate. Yeah, so, you know what? I'm, I'm like, oh, I know him and I'm going to apply and we'll get it, you know? So you have this rotating piece of an advisory board that's everybody honest. But you've got Commissions, commissioners appointing the board. So it's still kind of, there's still that possibility. So I, I agree 
you're, if might as well just let the city, as long as the process is open to where anybody can apply, then they have to give some justification for who gets it and, and the sour grapes of who doesn't get it, you know, and then they're going to say, well, they, he's got an in with the city and that's why he got it, you know. So I guess there would need to be public reasoning available of why people, because when it comes to money and small, it's important to people, you know? I will say, and I think I've mentioned this in these meetings before, maybe someone has pushed back on this in the past, I can't recall, but what I was initially, well, the story that I was initially told was that the TGT advisory board was born out of the city commission not wanting to field specific requests for funding. Um, and I, I love the idea of the space conference. Seems great. But I will say that looking at the folks who apply year to year, I don't I don't think there's been like a space conference. And so for me, looking at the folks who are applying versus the folks who then come to the Cultural Arts Commission looking, looking for funding through, through grant opportunities, there's duplication. There's people who are applying to TGT about the TGT fund and then applying to the Cultural Arts Commission for the same cultural event. Um, so to me, it just makes sense to just you know, what we could do is, given what Craig is saying, uh, we could eliminate the Transient Guest Tax Board and the Public Incentives Review Committee, and we could just defer to staff and have staff then come back in a year or so and say, you know, we really could use some external guidance other than the city commission. I mean, why not, you know, why not try it? I don't, I don't see a, I don't see a big, furthermore, I think now with the investment that the city is making in communication and communication channels, it may very well be that if this were, these were like city functions, that communication with residents and potential users might actually be more, more, more effective than whatever, I don't know what's, how, it, how these things get publicized now. But if they go out through city, city channels are expanding, right? I mean, you just... I think if we put public incentive review committee on staff, then we need to have a, probably a public incentive appeal process too because then we're just leaving it all to staff and similar to why don't we just let the let people appeal to the city commission yeah the buck stops with them on every dollar yeah. spent right every penny spent so you know again what they end up taking action on everything that burke sends not a things of work it is okay what advice do you have for us? Right. It also may be that if we did that, that it would give our recommendations more credibility because it would suggest that we aren't just taking the status quo, you know, and reinforcing the status quo. That, and that if we do have, we're going to continue this and continue this, it's not because we fully consider the alternatives. Look, we got rid of these. So um, 
It's, yeah, definitely, you brought the sales tax audit committee, correct? That, is that, that was one of you, you were, you were suggesting a sales tax audit committee and public sentence review board be combined under Australian economic security? I think that was thrown out there, yeah. I, I, did. Did. I didn't make that uh, recommendation, yeah. but I think all right with that. I have I'm all three and comfortable in. with that being. I, I mean, for me, looking at sales tax audit committee and public sentence review committee, so those, those you seem like very oversight oriented. I think those the duties of those bodies could be combined under prosperity and economic security, but I feel like it shouldn't, it's not just like, wouldn't just be those two things combined. It would be, it, it could be an expanded. Yeah, I, I, I think we're, in my mind, I, I hear a lot of that work. I, I still view all of this as that the board that we're creating is prosperity and economic security. Yeah. And this is what the role that's going to be doing is part of the strategic plan, but it's also going to absorb the responsibilities of these boards. And we're not continuing per se these boards. It is a new board that has new responsibilities that it's just taking on other responsibilities too. So we're not status quoing this, it is new, and they're gonna have a whole list of new things that they need to do on top of what some of the things that are existing to be done. Because those funds still exist, the money right. still exists, and somebody but, has to decide where they go. But just to explain, Dr. Nalbandian said, and Craig said, so Dr. Nalbandian said, we could just take that whole thing and give it back to staff because staff is already resourcing this because yeah. they support every one of these boards as they meet and whatnot. And Craig is advising, you know, it's all going to go to the city commission anyway. So, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying you know, we're trying to save staff resources. Staff is already working on this. If we remove these boards, staff is already going to work on it. City Commission was already going to deal with it. I mean, I think that these are absolutely ripe for, for going away. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, you will have saved um, staff time. Right now, staff is double dipping. They're having to prepare the issue to go in front of their these various you know, boards, and then they're having to present again for the city commission. Right there, you just reduced the workload by 50%. So I think it's one of the things that the commission and staff hoped that we would achieve in here. And, and I mean, for, if staff, because currently with the TGT advisory board process, folks do apply for funding through that. So if instead of applying to the, the TGT advisory board, apply to the city. And if the city is getting someone requesting money to do a, a volleyball tournament, and if and they need, they want input on it, they can just turn to the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board, who are the experts in that area, and put it in front of them and get a thumbs up and just, just cut, cut out that that whole, that whole middleman process. You know what else it may result in? It may result if, if, if a staff feels like a proposal, you know, is really, yeah, we really need to do this. It'd be great. The, the convention, whatever, they could put more money into it beyond the, what would be available through the transient gifts tax. Yeah, right. I mean, there's some synergistic possibility yeah. there. Yeah, that's like that's like with this um, 
with the soccer, the soccer thing. I mean, if we get chosen, <laughs> I mean, there's going to be a lot of investment that's going to have to be made. So I'm hearing two ways to tackle this. There are either there are three things that are either combined under prosperity and economic security, or three things are being disbanded, and there's just a placeholder prosperity and economic security for a, a new thing that we have yet to think of. Is that summarize that? I'm in the disband camp. You're in the disband camp. Good with that. You're good with that. Yep. Good. Good. Cherry. Okay. New new committee with to be to be the things that we're disbanding. <laughs> Maybe that's too much. But uh, it's it's a it's a new category for a new thing. I think I think the next category is going to be yeah. it's going to be an easy. Yeah, but do we have because yes. I know the sales tax audit committee or the sales tax funds used to be an application process, but it's more now we've identified partners that uh, meet the that are moving the needle as it relates to homelessness. So is there anything else that we currently have within um, economic development or something where people have an opportunity to apply to get those funds that we have the structure in place? as opposed to here's a relationship or here's a community partner that we know is going to move the needle on something. Yeah. Well, to be honest, it's kind of emerging because we have some, um, you know, I, I call them entrepreneurs in town, social entrepreneurs in town that want to do economic development work yeah. that is very much aligned with strategic plan, but we don't have the tradition like the chamber. So, right. Longstanding relationship with the, um, um, EDC, the Economic Development <laughs> that's a long-standing relationship. Um, how do new people come into that? And we don't really have that. So I think it's it's right for, that's an emerging issue for us. How do we create processes so that the players can be involved? There's some really innovative music city type stuff that we're trying to do. And it doesn't have a source than general funds in the general fund budget. So, yeah, there are some like that, but nothing that's been established that I'm aware of. Because to your point, that you know, this this isn't even the $3 million, but $3 million, we'll just say, that's less than 1% of the overall budget that had to create a process where people know to go to apply for these transient guest taxes. Is that more administrative work than you guys just knowing what's moving the needle and having those relationships and identifying people that are in this entrepreneurial idea. Because I, I I agree with Dan that the same people are applying, but I also could say that that could be a messaging. Some people don't know that they can get money for a science fair from TGT. Um, so is if we, um, I'm still an, an, an opponent of disbanding, but what what is that mechanism that's going to look like for still giving people an equitable opportunity to access these funds? Yeah, it, it may, I mean, I'll just say, where do we spend a lot more money? And we have this issue. So consulting services. Yeah. So we have, a, we spend a lot, I mean, millions of dollars in contractual engineering firm contracts. Virtually every agenda is loaded with them. Yeah. So we have a purchasing process where we say here is the work we'd like to participate in this work submit proposals and we do a selection process so we do it in much larger scope already i would say something like that but we need to honor the transition the community is going to expect and i think we need to have a lot of discussion about that 
especially when we're talking about smaller groups. Right. It really depend. It's not, it's not, it's not much to the city, but it's a lot to these individual groups getting that money. Yeah. I mean, um, Parks and Recreation alone does, they, they hire entertainers to come to camps. You know, they, they're, they're regularly hiring people to do things and spending money that isn't staff salaries. I, I think we have capability to do this very effectively and equitably. Well, that's one of the things that Sherry said at one of our very first meetings, and I said multiple times, it's just someone that isn't informed and, and may feel intimidated by a process of contacting the city. Is that, does this put that in that in a similar mode of I'm a smaller organization or can, and I am going to move the needle from an economic perspective, but how do I, how do I know and feel comfortable contacting you to, to do that? That's, all that to be said, I still agree. It makes sense to bring this in internally and start doing that, but I would want to make sure that we do have process or procedure that we're going to be committed to as a city to making sure that's accessible with an equity and distribution perspective. Well, you know, I think we need to keep in mind that the technology that's involved in communication with residents yeah. is just you know, it's just expanding, expanding, expanding yeah. all over the country, all kinds of experiments going on. So something is evolving. Yeah. So a question from maybe a community or resident perspective, when we put forward uh, a proposal or recommendations to disband these three who give out money, might a question be, well, special alcohol fund gives out money, AHAP gives out money, why those three versus not looking at all the boards and commissions that give out money? I had looped the other two in my brain. I had also the special alcohol under that, but then I, I got from this discussion that it, it really was. Yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't going to say no yeah. to the, the three, but I had like two yeah. or three others in mind that I could push over there as well. The city has made the commitment to, to utilize the special alcohol funds in a way that is that honors the um, reason that this was created, and they're currently doing it. And so that's all being determined internally, like these funds. So if we wanted to say instead of it's part of safe and secure, and we want to disband that. And, I have, and, I as, and as it's functioning right now, I mean, if, I think if you think of it as like the city has these funds and they are allocating them to. Uh, care center or Nash yep. to do the work that has been identified to do. And then they go to the safety and secure board. And I mean, just essentially like have a conversation with them about the allocation and get engagement and feedback. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be necessarily returned to what it once was. Because once upon a time it was a, it was a, a different, instead of it being the city's allocating funding and getting input from the, the boards and commissions, it was, people apply to the board or commission or commission does goes through a review process, makes allocate, makes a recommendation to the city commission. It's just a little bit, it's mm -hmm. just kind of in, inverted. Right. So they've done a, a thorough review of the legality of the decision and work on, on the right path of how it's usage. So I'm all right with saying that's a, a disbanded group as opposed to it's being absorbed in there. Sure, yeah, I think, I think yeah, we could say either way. Yeah. Um, but if you're trying to be consistent with these, these people are giving funds, why, what, what makes special alcohol fund special other than these other two? And in reality, special alcohol fund hasn't distributed funds in two years. 
It's my, it, yeah, probably, I don't know, it's been full two, but. Yeah, two years, but TGT and her has, um, there, isn't, there isn't a special sauce for stuck on a special alcohol fund. I just want to clarify that the sales tax audit, they don't disperse funds. Right. They just review and make sure that the expenditures from uh, the sales tax are in line with what the voters approved. Yep. Should we talk back to city? So yes. just so are we are we disbanding special alcohol fund? We are. Yep, we are. And and without the red marker. And like yeah, expanding it and, and, and moving its its essence into <laughs> <laughs> I like that. The essence into the... <laughs> um, so Connected City ought to be does uh, uh, Dr. Matt Nalbany is that for me? Does anybody else need break? Do we need as well? Uh, you've got an hour. Yeah. Yes. Hour. Yeah. You have to leave at yeah. 7:30. Yeah. I, I have a meeting for 7:30. Okay. It's across the street. Um, I agree with Dr. Nalbany's recommendation. That it should be Aviation Advisory Board, Public Transit Advisory Committee, and Multimodal Transportation Committee. I as well. Yes. You bailed out anything different in that category. No. <laughs> okay. That one. That one's always been kind of easy. I will. I will, I will be honest. Yeah, use the word scintilla. I didn't even get all. That was for you. <laughs> yeah. The the Aviation Advisory Board is the one of the that to me has like the a little question mark next to it in my mind, but I think that that's one of those things as far as the process, we're looking at what the Connect City Board's gonna be. I think may, keeping that in mind and making sure that those responsibilities and that expertise is captured in, in the creation of that board. Right. I don't know if that involves like having a designated seat or whatever agreed for somebody who owns the airplane. Well, if you look, if you look at a lot of these commissions, I mean, in the bylaws, it's if there is any sort of special designation or some level of expertise that's needed, that's written into the bylaws. Yeah. So that can be the same for all of these. Yeah. So when the because all of this is going to need a rewriting yeah. of the bylaws, and that's where those things can happen. Okay, now we're down to unmistakable warrants. So right now, um, that is the, um, it's the Parks and Rec and um, Cultural Arts. That's, that's what I, I put in mind. I, I made, I made um, special notes on, my, on, my, on the PDF I sent over that I had the strike through the word Lawrence. So it's, it's just Cultural Arts Commission, not Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission. That's my personal pet peeve. <laughs> Far with that. It's not you've been waiting that campaign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've been laying in wait this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are all Lawrence yeah. commissions. There's, right. only, there's only one that right. has yeah. we're Lawrence. And I misspoke. The sustainability advisory board is, is actually in this category as it currently exists as a draft. That's because they don't want any of these people from these other towns claiming to be in the arts. <laughs> What's the other one you mentioned? It's, sustainability. Sustainability is actually listed under that. I, um, I did not include sustainability under unsafe identity, and I will be honest that I don't. I think I just had it in the other category. Um, <laughs> still have it in other. <laughs> and unfortunately, someone's not here to speak speak to sustainability. He's he's the expert. Um, but it's definitely, again, I mean, that's a question mark in my mind. So sustainability advisory board. You said something earlier 
how, how it should be included in everything. And that's the way I feel about sustainability. I mean, it should be included in every decision made is how does this affect the generations to come? Yeah. And so just to put it in a box somewhere when it's like saying, I only have to be honest on Sunday or something, you know, it's, it, it should just be everywhere. So I'm not. And personally, I feel like, you know, sustainability is something that everybody in, in Lawrence, I mean, you know, like most people in Lawrence feel like is important in incorporating every, everything we do. And sometimes when people really want to make sure that they, they get held to a standard, be an advisory board to kind of hold them to that standard. Um, I don't know if, if, if we've needed it. I don't know. Like, I mean, and, I, and, I, and when I say I don't know, I mean, I legitimately I don't know if, if the city commission and, and the city staff have needed an advisory board specializing in sustainability to ensure that, that as a community, we, we hold ourselves to those standards. I would, I would um, answer that by saying I don't think um, currently that we are being held to a certain standard. I think there needs to be more, but I don't think the sustainability board as it exists now does that. I think we need to be held to a standard, but I don't think it does that. I mean, because it's so, it picks up this particular issue and then this particular issue when it should be overarching. I would agree with that. But have we had, has are any of our strategic plans in the past been very specific of a commitment of environmental sustainability? And so when those champions have to present to the city commission, that is one of the commitments they have to be held to a standard of. I don't, I don't think a prior strategic plan has done so. But well, we haven't had any yeah. strategic plans. Right. We have, just haven't been as robust or aggressive as this. I think there may have been a mention of um, sustainability in the most recent one prior to the current iteration, um, but it's been a while, so. And I heard a story from somebody, um, I think it was today or yesterday, um, in the, the history, the, the sustainability advisory board, as were some of the advisory boards, were the workers. If anything was gonna be done, and these volunteers would get together and do something. They would run the recycling event. They would put flyers out. That's probably sustainable. But um, they would do the work. And because there was no staff, or there was very little staff, we are evolving past that, or we already have, although it's still a department of one. Um, but what she's doing is she's leveraging all of the organizations. So besides just external work, she's really trying to work with MSO who spends a lot of resources through our fleet, through the um, water and wastewater treatment facilities, number one consumer that we have, um, doing work on that, making sure that those parks and recreation, she's in these meetings with all those outcome champions, making sure that this is honored. How long has that position existed? Well, Jasmine Moore had, and then somebody before her. I mean, Moore, I think since like 2014 or 2013. Yep. And it had been a jointly funded position with the county, and then we had a amicable <laughs> divorce, uh -huh. and both are funded now by both agency and coordination. 
I think that the sustainability board as it exists is pretty limited. But someone in this group said the optics of disbanding it would be yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, but there's a natural retort, which is, I mean, we, we have salaried position in the city sitting in meetings with every department in the city, making sure everybody is, you know, moving in that direction. I mean, it's like, we've done you one better. We've got a salaried position yeah. and we're probably going to hire somebody else here. You know, it sounds like what Craig is saying. Kathy has more KPIs than any other champion. It's a KPI. A key performance indicator. Mm -hmm. So these, uh, all these metrics that we're looking at, 80-some metrics across all of these things, they intersect. So she's working with the outcome. Every single one of these outcomes has sustainability, except safe and security. It's the only one that doesn't have one, and that probably will get fixed. But all the rest of them have KPIs that are shared. You know, I think it, it, all past it. and it reminds me that, like, if we have, like, some specialism sustainability thing, it's out here, okay? If you can take that function and you can integrate it into the administrative apparatus, then you have a consistent advocate with rules, regulations, whatever, but you know, it, you 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 eliminate discretion in a way, but you eliminate arbitrariness as well. I just think institutionalizing sustainability is a great is, is really that's what we want to do. We want to institutionalize. Yeah, I, I can't out there as an as like an external community advisory board trying trying to give specific recommendations or take specific actions when so much of the work has to be done internally during mm -hmm. every process that the city does and, and that board is not able to you know be be involved in the, the day to day like it's it, like I understand why I mean there there has been like the struggle with that group trying feeling like they have a been able to take take action or make an impact, um, but I definitely um, with optics. I, mean, I definitely do think there needs to be needs to be an, an obvious push towards yeah, it, it, making it more internal and uh, so. And, and you know, talking about the fact that the, the group seems to focus on specific issues. I mean, that could be another situation where the city staff person could together a task force or a you know operational right. group mm -hmm. on a specific issue because so right. these specific topics do come up and so that might be a, a more more appropriate way to actually address those and bring on some technical expertise for particular issues yeah sticks sound so, have a, a something else other than sustainability what do you got if, if we're not if, if we're I don't want to move past it. No, no I think we're all. We're, this is all under this un unmistakable identity. So, and I, I'm not going to take this the wrong way. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. So we're saying TGT is disbanded. Public Incentive Reviews Commission is disbanded. Sales Tax Audit Committee and, and uh, Special Involved Fund. So what separates TGT and Cultural Arts Commission? 
And I think cultural arts distributes out less money than TGT does annually, correct? There is a there is a, a grant program that the cultural arts commission does annually. Right. That's not the only thing it does. I, I get that. But when optically, as you're looking at this, and even from what you were saying, from a staff perspective, the amount of time that the staff spends internally to to administer the Cultural Arts Commission, be the liaison based off of the distribution of funds and the things that they're doing. How does that how is that different than what the ones that we've already expanded would be? What, what justifies us keeping cultural arts as a standalone? when we've disbanded four other ones. The TGT advisory board, I mean, one of the reasons why I didn't think it should have been a board in the first place was that it didn't meet annually. It wasn't a consistent group and they didn't they didn't meet throughout the year. It was, it was a group that would be cobbled together once a year to do this one little process and then disbanded. Whereas the Cultural Arts Commission meets throughout the year, um, sees like mural applications, oversees the sculpture exhibition. So lots of these different things that are, that, you know, happen every year and, and are, uh, so that's the difference. Whereas TGT advisory board is like literally just a tool to, to do a process. Just speaking for myself, who's never been to a cultural arts conference. Yeah. <laughs> so I got perfect here. I, I put, um, I put the cultural arts commission in the same camp as I, as and apply the same analysis I did with the Historical Resources Commission, where I just felt like its mission, its performance, and its outcomes was significant enough that it it merits just remaining. You know, and that's that's for me from a guy that's never been to one of either of those meetings, but yet that's just my perception of the playing field, right? That's all it is. I, I do think this process has made me develop an appreciation for the Historic Resources Commission as being a it is a it is a good parallel where it's folks who have that specific sort of background and expertise in in something which really shapes shapes the community. But it, but yeah, it's not. Um, so, so I think that that is a appropriate comparison. I think too that um, you know I'm, I'm the uh, chair of the, of the Parks and Rec Board now, and um, I really think that. What we, what, what one of the things that I really want to emphasize is the integration of the arts into, into the physical decisions that Parks and Rec makes, the decision Parks and Rec makes about the physical environment. And I think increasingly, you know, we want, like, for example, um, entries to the city. You know, it, it, we want to be, I think, you know, Parks and Rec ought to be able to rely on, of course, they can rely on staff. But I think it's cooler to have um, the Arts Commission because then it becomes a more community-wide interest in, you know, the design of parks. I mean, just think of all, of, all the, the new parks, the new green space. They all had input from the Parks and from the Cultural Arts Commission. I, I like that more than input from staff, you know, someone. Although I have to, well, I have to admit that what Craig did when they put Porter 
Porter O'Neill um, from the city, from the main staff to the Parks and Rec has been a great asset. I mean, he is a great asset. Great asset. My commissioners are very happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'd like I'd like to see that. I mean, I think Parks and Rec is really interesting because I'll go on another tangent here. Um, it's like we know that green space and physical activity affects public health. We have, as far as I know, and I'm on the health board too, there is literally no fixed relationship between the health department and Parks and Rec. None. There are occasional connections, but so, you know, I think Parks and Rec can actually become, you know, almost like a, a, a center of various kinds of outreach that really create a more integrated community. I throw a staff perspective into the mix. So, Johnny, you've mentioned communication and community engagement a few times and, you know, lots of opportunity there. We're expanding where we can. For this year's budget, we aren't able to fund our internal services at any higher of a rate. So we're not going to expand in any dramatic way that you're going to notice overnight, but we'll make incremental progress. Unmistakable identity is a place when we talk about leverage uh, for communications or community engagement. Leveraging unmistakable identity to be what makes Lawrence attractive, what makes it a place where people want to live. That's our parks, that's our arts, that's our culture, that's our events. From a staff perspective, if we can get unmistakable identity firing on all those cylinders and really um, helping tell that story and helping show what's wonderful and beautiful about this community, that could be a, just a, a huge benefit to our internal services who work on communications and something we've been trying to do. But I think there's opportunity here to further those connections and to really lift all of us up as we strive to really tell our story to the world, to you know, our community members. Rethink, rethink some of the responsibilities and functions of the Parks and Rec Board. Which I think could happen when it's all, when it's put together under this one category. So I, I'm still an advocate of combining cultural arts and right. Parks and Rec with whatever else um, comes up. I mean, I'm, I, I feel like we've talked before about trying to keeping them separate, but then in the, the recommendation we make, talking about the process, recommend that there is like some sort of, I don't know, if it's annual, biannual mm -hmm. um, summit where, where the groups do get together. Um, I definitely, there definitely is like some overlap as far as talking about like, you know, put a sculpture in, in green space. I think fundamentally, when you're looking at parks and recreation, it is, and there were recreations right there. It's about recreation. Things people do recreationally in their free time, whereas the Social Arts Commission is really about, is really about more about expression. I mean, people, I like to, okay, I don't actually like to exercise. I like to ride my bike. I like to ride my bike. Riding a bike isn't like a form of expression or connecting with, you can, you can do it with other people. And it's, I mean, you know, good for your health and all these things, but it's not, it's not a form of, of expression. And I feel like that's really the, the, the difference between the two. They're both things, you know, arts and recreation are both things that people do in their free time. 
And it's important that we prioritize those in the community because people want to live somewhere where those are prioritized, but they ultimately achieve different goals and, and then people like to do both of them. But I don't think having them be, having one group um, necessarily makes sense. I think it's great that the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board has a representative from the Lawrence Skateboard Association on as a member, um, but the expertise of that individual versus expertise of somebody who puts together Free State Festival every year are very different. Um, so I think it does have to do sort of like your time with Historic Resource Commission, that level of expertise, even though neither of these boards, I, I think, I don't think the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board has specific seats. It's not like the Skateboard Association has a specific seat. But the fact that those folks are represented and can give input on you know, things that are, are relevant to their interests, I think, I think is important. And combining the two, I feel like the representative who puts on the Free State Festival is not going to have that much input or want to sit through a meeting talking about the installation of new skate ramps or, or whatever. I think there is a fundamental difference between recreation and expression and the, and the folks who, who feel like they they have an interest in in uh, advising those those things. So what I was kind of so we said that sustainability advisory board is being done by an investment within the city. So I think that in itself is a reason to keep the arts cultural arts commission by itself. I was just trying to play devil's advocate. Sure, yeah. I don't think we have a representative of the city that we can say staff member is going to take on all the roles and responsibilities that the Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission or the Arts Commission, the Cultural Arts Commission is currently doing. So from an optics perspective, why keep Cultural Arts Commission without, without as opposed to the uh, TGT, we don't have someone that's doing that as an investment by the city. So Cultural Arts should stay as a commission, as a, a standalone commission. I think with sustainability and being- whether we combine the two of them, I, the fact that sustainability is a commitment that runs through everything is also, I feel like, a big part of right. that. And, and just having one having one board, which is supposed to oversee a commitment through all of the, I mean, we're reaching a point in which we're not really, we, we don't really have any boards for the commitments. I think it's because- We can, we can take out sustainability. Let's just do public yeah. review, incentive review commission. If we want to use that as a comparative, staff has the capabilities of doing that. They're, they're skilled, they know it's going to the city commission anyway but we don't necessarily have that same person within the city currently doing cultural arts. Like city of Salina has invested three staff positions within the city for cultural arts. We don't necessarily have it to that quarter. Right. So that would be a, a counter argument of why we would keep this cultural arts commission. If, if that's what Porter's task is, how is that any different than public incentive review commission? That's me. It is the difference between having, uh, an outcome area versus a, com a commitment where the commitment is well use public incentive review committee that you don't have to do it sustainability any one of those that we did get rid of public incentive review we're pulling inside because staff has the capability of doing that sure yeah I, and those are um i mean I, de I definitely hear what you're saying but i think that's you can make that same argument between anybody we dissolve versus anybody we don't what is I right, think it, we would have to have a justification as to why we're keeping one over another. Is kind of what I'm saying. Um, and do you think the outcomes of Public Incentive Review Commission probably still good as well? I'm not looking at their outcomes, but what is what is their outcome versus one other? So we're kind of comparing apples to apples. Why keep one versus another? 
if staff's capable of doing the work that's that that we're putting out there. I'm just I'll just sort of push back a little bit on what Dennis. I I just think we might be missing out on some really remarkable things by keeping some of these cultural arts and parks and recs separate. Just I really think there's some creative things that could happen. Um, I can't say it as well as Hannah said it in terms of what what does it what makes me want to live in Morris. Yeah is, you know, I take part in parks and rec activities and cultural arts activities. And it's just sort of all to me, it's like Morris is real, is unique as a city and place to live. And it, it brings in the, the unique neighborhoods too. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of that. And I just, I just wonder what could happen with a board that was looking beyond those two Two entities, those two more. Um, I can't think of more. Um, the only thing I can think of is silos. So I'm going to go with it. Those two silos. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still on the camp of combining parks and rec and cultural arts under unmistakable. Um, if we did combine them, I think the result would be we would create two subcommittees. You know, because I, I mean, and the, the subcommittees would meet separately, uh, but they would meet quarterly, you know, to 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 connect. Um, so there would be the connection, but still with the understanding that there's a lot of independence here. Because, like, as a Parks and Rec guy, I'm not really interested in questions having to do with the art center. And it's kind of like the Army and Air Force. You know, just they're they have the same end goal yeah. in mind. And you know, the end goal of parks and rec and end goal of cultural arts commission is, you know, quality of life in Lawrence. That's the end goal, but they're attacking it from different directions, you know. And they're both, you know, the metrics I put out, you know, their their mission, their performance, and their outcomes are such that I don't even have to go to the meetings and know that they're out there. <laughs> Like that's that's how they get a recommendation from me. I think that they should they should remain. I totally hear what you're saying about combining them and looking for synergies. But if if I carry my 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 analogy out, you know, to to a really extreme point, you know, there was a time in the past where we didn't have an air force, we had an army air corps, but they after a while realized that they would actually do better apart. So. Army Air Corps got separated out and made the Air Force, and they got you know, and and here we are today. Like I think they really they do better on their own. That's just mine. I, I also think the fact that Porter is the is the director for, for the arts. Actually, I don't know if he's director, but he's he's the arts guy. Uh, but he he's in, he works under Parks and Recreation. I feel like that staff level of communication that happens can help to um create some more of this cohesion. And I mean, for me, if it's, whether it's, whether it's, there's a, a combined board that meets so often and then subcommittees that meet so often or separate boards that meet so often, and then, you know, an annual or, you know, biannual, whatever, intentional collaborative meeting, I think both of those kind of achieve the same result of increasing uh, like communication. Uh, and for me, I think it's which of those is going to result in more staff time 
which those are going to result in a harder time recruiting people to serve on the the boards. Uh, so it's it's a little bit. It becomes like a gradient. Um, I've honestly, personally, I feel like I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a much easier time recruiting people to serve on an arts and culture focus board than a joint board. Um, I talk to people. I'm sure there are people who are as interested in sports stuff as they are in art stuff. I, but I, I think it's easier to, to recruit people to serve on, on one or the other and then have, the, have some intentional collaboration. Yes, the number of meetings could be moderated in some way so that this doesn't blow up staff time. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm definitely happy to attend more meetings, but I, I know not everybody is. <laughs> As you have another meeting in <laughs> 35. I got 35 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, so your bona are. <laughs> so, how are we going to structure this under that? Uh, getting, what do people think of the, the combining separate two separate committees or two, this subcommittee model? The subcommittee model is there, it would be. Oh, it's, it really ends up being two separate committees. I guess there's no two separate two separate standing committees that will meet jointly. Uh, sort of what it sounded like. Is there some kind of law about you have to have a Parks and Rec board? Is that a statutory board? Yes. Oh, that was one. That was yeah, statutory. I thought. Really, Parks and Rec is statutory. Seriously, <laughs> for some reason, yes. Yeah, because people are concerned for their health. Really. When I, remember. I would not have chosen. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the question is whether cultural arts. You know where I think. Okay. Well, parks and rec has to stand. Right. The culture is question is cultural arts. When I was a little kid in the fifties. I think having having Porter as a as an, as an employee of the Parks and Rec Department so many makes me feel more comfortable with two standalone as Porter as kind of the bridge between the two. But if we're talking beyond just the moment in time in which Porter is here, is is that position is his his position is has a title of of arts? What's his position? It's his title. It's assistant assistant. Uh, director of Parks and Recreation for the Arts. So as long as that position is a position, you have a bridge between those two yeah. commissions that you have some synergy of, of thought. But if if they're two independent boards, I think you lose out on what you're talking about, having that a larger thought. I don't think subcommittee is something that we've talked about wanting to, to propose as, as subcommittees. Well, I think structurally, though, it kind of looks like what we did under um, the first one there, where there would be those two committees under unmistakable Lawrence, but they would be standalone. That's kind of what yeah, it looks yeah. like. I don't see any yeah. difference between that and the subcommittee. So, um, so it would look like the first column. Is that the feeling of the? Is that the feeling of this group? Yes, that's that it would my be? feeling. Yep. Jerry. Yeah. Okay. I can. I can go with that. So then we just have a question mark category. Yes, then we just have the question mark. There's only three that are not, have not been, they're not like. Well, I think we've kind of hinted that sustainability would be in a red. Yeah, color. yeah. And yes, those are the last of them. Yes. So what we're left with is with affordable housing and human relations. I, I know we had combined both of those. 
circles of sustainability and management that should signify our yeah. You know, on the Human Relations Committee, it would seem to me that a person would want to feel safe and secure from discrimination. I, I, I think it could go there real easily. Human relations under safe and secure. Because it, it, it deals with elements of discrimination, right? I, I also included that under safe and secure. And I mean it's just in a you go there, then if you don't like what you get, you go to district court. Because they can allow, they can award a monetary, they have some teeth. The Human Relations Commission, because they don't even really have any teeth. What do they do? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still. <laughs> um, the Human Relations Commission um, is an entity that wants to promote goodwill among, you know, so that all people in the community feel welcome in this community, regardless of their race, sex, religion, sexual orientation, gender identity. So they um, try to foster goodwill in the community, study issues, and then they are part of the code. Um, we have a chapter 10 that prohibits discrimination in housing, public accommodations, and employment in Lawrence. And so we have staff that investigate complaints, um, and the Human Relations Commission can sort of, you know, look at patterns of complaints, oh. determine if there needs to be a greater education in a particular area or those types of things. So um, sometimes there are educational things that they put forward. Um, so the, the, that's kind of what they do. And the vast majority of the complaints that are handled under that are housing. Yeah. The city just got done seeing some code regarding not being able to discriminate regarding renting right um, source of income so you income, yeah, landlord the future, but the voucher yeah they can't be turned away because you have a voucher exactly would that fall under the mandate of human relations commission to monitor yes. that sort of thing yes okay well okay safe and secure <laughs> I mean I, that's that's where I had had yes. Were they looking to change the name of that commission? They were. I have heard that um, they want to call it the Civil Rights Commission because they 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 think that's more descriptive for the public. Yes, I, I, think, I think the Human Relations Commission. Yeah, I think it confuses a lot of people. So, um. and is there any reason that you couldn't combine, given that description, when you're talking about a Civil Rights Commission? That one board under safe and secure couldn't handle police, the police review, and the topics that you just described. So, yeah, to me, reviewing uh, complaints or, or the police community police review board and civil rights, to me, those things 
are a little bit more in line as far as trying to ensure that folks in the community are not facing discrimination. And I mean, looking at the bylaws of the Community Police Review Board, like it's very, really talks about bias and discrimination. It does, but one of the other things that I think would fall under the mandate, such as I understand it, it's not just, you know, it, are the police acting differently regarding, you know, one group of persons regarding another, certainly that would come up. But there's also, you know, police can have a bad interaction with anybody of any color, any creed, any whatever, and that would also be there. Um, so there's going to be there's going to be some overlap, but there's also would be some things that you know the police review board it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily fall under that that civil rights. Well, civil rights is such a broad term. Yeah, everybody has broad. civil rights, but the idea that you would go to that one civil rights review board if you felt like your civil rights had been infringed in any number of arenas. I see it. I definitely do. I just, if I, you know, in a perfect world, if I were going to create uh, a community police review board, there would be some other technical stuff that I would want them, these citizen members, to, to, to be aware of, to be able to be conversant in. But I see, I see it. I see where you're going. It could, yeah, it could, it could, it could work, I guess. I'm supportive. And, and one of the things that the Community Police Review Board has really been seemingly been upset about is a lack of scope to their work. So this would be, I mean, by combining the two, it would be a much wide, wider scope. Um, which and, and honestly, I feel like a lot of these things, I think when you're looking at folks who are, who are feel like they're, they are being discriminated against, like it, it cuts across. It's not necessarily once there, there's, you know, Patterns and it is sort of community wide. So, so or, human relations under. So, are you saying those are so standalone then, or they're no. like the others? They are combined. 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 Okay. And that leaves Aham. Dan, you got 25 minutes. You want to yeah. say your you say your piece of affordable housing? Uh, I've already said my piece on the ads. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's your piece? Which seems like there's a lot of yeah, resources. Oh, correct. So right after we have it, apply for it. It's Ahab and the trust fund. I guess we should add that because it is actually technically two separate things. So I mean, it's it's just but, it's just one. But there was they the do. thought we had it in the draft. Yeah, pulled apart. So yeah, they do distribute. Yeah, money. yeah. So but they also do advocacy. Yeah. Right, right. But what, Craig, was there an end to that, to the trust fund? Was, was there like, there's a sunset on that? Yes, it was a 10 year authorization. We're five years in. Five years in. Okay. So, do people feel about AHAB like um, they do the Historic Resources Commission or the Lawrence Cultural Commission for that unique and. So, somebody helping bring me back to where I need to be because maybe I'm chasing down a path that is useful, but like all paths are useful. <laughs> like I was throwing out earlier, it seems like the city is really stamping up the facility deal, you know, with um, people without house, people who need affordable housing. It seems like that commitment 
is going up before our eyes. So with that amount of staff resources and commitment available, so where does they have fit into that, into that orbit? What sounds like a lot of staff resources sitting there. Well, and to give monetary resources yet to have identified a lot of the hiring that needs to be done. So do not have all the people that we need yet, but my proposed budget does put a lot more research. So that's the fact that it isn't, it isn't populated yet the way you foresee it being, would that be an argument for keeping Ahab or would that be? Well, I mean, you're really, most, for the most part, you're respecting the way our organizational structure has been, you know, built around the strategic plan or we've gone from legacy to this new structure. And, you know, we still have a police department and a fire department. Those are not going to be combined in any near future, but they're both co-champions of safe and secure. So um, I would say our housing initiatives division is what will likely mostly become the new department. And that was probably going to be a report from planning to an assistant city manager. So right now it's under one of the many things that the department does. Um, I think you're continuing to um, visualize that the housing, affordable housing coordinator will be stay with uh, plan because there's a lot of other things besides AHAP dollars. There's all the HUD stuff that filters into there. There's there's all the actual, you know, building, constructing of the housing. There's all the integration with all the, the agencies that are doing that affordable housing. So I think the thought is that probably is the better fit, even though there's going to be a pretty strong dotted line to the um, homelessness that helps. So, you know, the housing and homelessness <coughs> as well, which just is being drafted right now and finalized by the county, the city, and several community nonprofit partners. Um, these investments matter. They really do. They're going to make a dent, but the need is big. It's massive. And that was something that Leah, when she presented in front of city commission last night, really wanted to drive home was it's gonna cost more, it's gonna take longer and it's gonna be harder than we thought. So community, please buckle up for a long ride. <laughs> so that's maybe something to consider. So, so until this structure is in place, does AHAB provide serve really a service to the yeah. in terms of handling some of this work? Yeah, I had a, uh, I hope I represent it well and don't violate any confidences, but I had a really good um, discussion with Leah Roslin about her concerns about splitting the funding. Um, she was very candid and very troubled by that, um, which you probably heard from the board members as well. Um, in our discussion, she relies on the input of those members. Those are very useful advisors. They're co-creators of the policy work that we're doing on affordable housing, which is very complex. Um, and she values that relationship very much. She just, I think, 
represented in our discussion. Um, and I, I agree, if you shouldn't have a separate board and commission volunteers distributing money. That should stay together if you're gonna have a separate body distributing money. As I talked to her about our discussion, similar to what we had here, we allocate a lot of resources and other things. She well could be guiding the resource distribution uh, administratively with the right. policy advice and direction of this AHAB board. I think she she's she is concerned as a as a really a department of board division of one. That's it. So she has those relationships. And a lot of the providers in our community sit as board members because when we started this all up, nobody really knew exactly what it was going to do or be. And so we have these subject matter experts that are actually the providers and sometimes have to recuse themselves because of that role. As I talked to her, whether or not Ahab exists or not, those are still going to be relationships that she's going to be in all of the time because that's who's doing the work in this community. If whether or not they're a policy board convened, or maybe there's a separate policy board. And so not to put yeah. words in your mouth, it seems like you're applying the same analysis that we used a minute ago, our sustainability person, where we have the staff person that's liaising with every good department within the city, has this 30,000 foot view of what everybody's doing. And it sounds like Leah is in the same spot where she has the ability to watch what everybody's doing, both in working on affordable housing, houseless, but also liaising with all these other city departments, planning, city manager, everybody. And yeah. so it sounds like she has some ideas she would like to pull all of that in and consolidate even more. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I just, there is a lot going on there. And, um, and, and it isn't just Leah, you know, Danny Walters is also a part, important part of that um, team. And so, uh, yes, they're trying to do a lot of important work. And we have been successful. By the so way. is that an argument for saying Sunset Ahab? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying not to push you hard. I think the money thing, I've made the case, and I think you've kind of bought into it with, we allocate a lot of resources. We can be successful in allocating resources to get a really good outcome, um, of whether it is from one source of funds or general fund or utility fund. I think we do that, and we can be very transparent in the way that those are being allocated and that they're aligned with the, the strategies that are built by the strategic plan where I think we get high value from community members is where we have expertise and diversity of perspectives, especially of people that are impacted by or that are doing work in that space that are, you know, maybe advocates, but maybe more community members who have an interest in looking at a whole bunch of them um, and want to do something and help guide that. Those are nice sounding board. Those are nice there's four right solutions. What's the right one for Lawrence? And that's where policy, that's how I define policy. I think we leave it as a standing board until the structure, the infrastructure is built to where you feel we can utilize the tax dollars that you're investing in the community. Um, and we leave it as a standalone board under safe and secure. 
a strong wealth, I'm sorry, strong welcoming neighborhoods because several of the strategies under this strategic plan, affordable housing, sales tax dollars invested, um, create more ownership opportunities for low and moderate, increase affordable housing opportunities by investing in underutilized properties. Um, I think it fits very well underneath there. Well, I will trigger some of the discussion you just had with um, unmistakable identity. There's a necessary intersection of affordable housing strategy and planning commission. There, there's a lot of important conversations that must happen and that, that need to be addressed. Same with uh, Historic Resources Commission. Yep. Those three need to get together and need to yeah. be coordinated. Which, which I think is, I mean, talking about like trying to make sure that we're, we're really intentional about including what we see as like the road to making this all work. I mean, we could smash them all together or we could really make strong recommendations on how how these things are orchestrated to the point where human, or sorry, historic resources commission, our board of zoning code building appeals, and and they have are, have have really set in stone expectations for collaboration and and, and interfacing. Yeah, um, it's either that or, or smash. And as of right now, I don't feel comfortable smashing those three. I think the workload is too yeah. much to smash all. But those three but I think that well we those. Well, those are two stands alone. Well, they're yeah, not yeah, together. Right, right. right. But that yeah. just went down. Yeah. I have a question. Um, so the trust fund is again money that's applied for, right? I mean, people apply for these affordable housing things. It's going on right now. The last one that I saw, the affordable housing board made some recommendations to the city commission. One didn't get any funding because they didn't have enough affordable housing in their 80 units or whatever. But then there was, gosh, it took like an hour, I think, between the staff presentations and everybody that got up and spoke. It seemed like, um, I think this could be done at the staff level, dispersing of the money, because there was plenty of time given to public comment and questions from the commissioners that, uh, and I think from what I recall at the public engagement, the biggest issue was, what about the money? <laughs> like always. So I think that, I think that it could be handled at the staff level, but I think that people are gonna think that there's a lack of commitment there from the city if they disband the board. It's again, it's the optics. I think the retort, it's just, it's almost overwhelming. You know, it's like, no, we we are, I mean, the city is staffing the affordable housing side and the houses issue. I mean, I mean, it's in the paper every day, practically. I mean, it would be crazy to say the city hasn't, hasn't really leaned into this. But so I don't think anybody can say that the city is, Walking away from their commitment. I know, but you know, somebody you will. Gotta, you got to be sensitive to somebody, how it somebody looks. will, but you know, up is up in their world. You know, yeah. But it seemed like, um, you know, the the board or that they just presented all the and they gave a yay or a nay what they thought, but really it was pretty well dissected by the staff report and the public comment. It went on for a long time. It wasn't just rubber stamp. Down you go. 
I just wonder if it, if it would be valuable to retain that group as we you know, as the city transitions. I agree. And putting that staff together and maintaining those really close relationships. And in, in by, the advice that, well, I'm sorry, I forgot her name already. Uh, Leah. Leah is getting. Have we proposed to eliminate that one? Yeah, from what I understand, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take off in just a second. I understand kind of where we're landing here, having three separate boards under six. Strong right. neighborhoods. Yep. It'd be the easy A, B, C, A, B. <laughs> and the Historic Resources Commission, and then they have those three. And then under safe and secure, we would have what I, I mean, what I would feel comfortable just saying would be like the Civil Rights Commission, which essentially is the Community Police Review Board and HRC sort of smashed together. Yeah. Um, and then under the under prosperity and economic security, we would have one board under Kansas City, we'd have one board combining those three. Then we have two under unmistakable identity and sustainability is going to be dispersed with a strong emphasis that city staff are incorporating into the everyday work right. through the, the position. Yes. Which is which is one, two, three, four, seven. five. Six, seven, eight. Eight, eight they points. have. Parks and Rec is independent? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So that's eight. I, I think that's kind of looks like what we're ending up with and sounds fine. Um, yeah. Good me. And those are your parting words. Yeah. Yeah. Now, 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 uh, good summary. Yeah. Good, good summary. Those are mine. So everybody take a picture of that board. And I just, but I think we should take a, a, a break and then come back and, and tackle the next, like what happens next. So um, for this recommendation, but I just do, do want to make a, a remark that we've been sitting here talking about, you know, we've, we've actually having read and have talked about use the term disbanding these various committees. And I just want to make a point that all the people that have been serving on these committees have done a world of, of good work. And I, I don't want them to feel like this has been a callous discussion. Um, people have really invested in these committees. They, they've done the work. Um, they've, done all, they've done all the meetings. They've really put their heart and soul into a lot of these things. And I just want to acknowledge that um, because this might seem also callous, and I don't, I don't want us, I want them to think that we are disrespecting in any way the work that's been done. It's just, we're just, it's just time to reform. Um, the city has the strategic plan. Um, we are concerned about staff resources available and money spent, and so this is just an opportunity to go in a new direction and to think differently. Um, and all, and that is not to discount all the work that these committees have been doing and the people who have staffed them. So yep. I just, I just want to see. Well said. Yep. Agreed. So let's take a break and then come back and decide what we're going to do next. What time? Like five or oh, uh, three, four minutes. Just to, <laughs> five minutes. Five minutes. I guess you have to give it a thing. Five minutes. Well, thank you, everybody. We've accomplished the first part. Um, recommending a restructuring of the Lawrence uh, Boards and Commissions. Uh, the next thing that uh, was on the list, of course, well, no, we've done two things. First, the restructuring and also the details of you know, the ethics code and the uh, rules and regulations for 
uh, boards and commissions. Um, the third part then is how do we get from point A to point B where our, from our existing structure to this new structure? So my, my question right off the bat to staff is what, what do you expect this particular committee to do in terms of how we get from this structure to that structure? Because it does seem like that's a lot of bylaw writing um, potentially, but I don't know what is the expectation of this particular body. We, we had the discussion um, earlier today, and I'll, I'll just share candidly what, what my thoughts are. You all have done a tremendous amount of work. Does it feel that way? Yes. I mean, <laughs> and this is hard work, and this is kind of going to be controversial, which we were, I think, alert, alluding to, and you're, you're giving the commission that work so that they have a starting point that helps them digest it, but also to digest the politics of this transition which I, I know will be useful. Um, the drafting and we start getting into the, these details, I think we can handle that. So I'll, I'll just say, you know, I drafted the resolution that put the charge out there. So I have, I'm taking a little latitude with that. I put that in there, not knowing kind of how this would go and not knowing how difficult it would be to do all of this paper shuffling. But I think the earliest conversations that we had, we did some really good work about what do we like and not like. That feedback was really valuable. We did some initial drafting, I think, of some of the, the key components that we want to see in common. I think you gave good direction. So if you'll transmit this to the commission, ask them for their feedback, ask them to say, okay, then this is what it's going to be. Then we can then start the work of drafting knowing that that's a fixed piece. The recommendations on how do we and how long does it take? How do we go from there to there? You know, you've got maybe 300 people and we might have 80. What does that look like? Those are going to be tough things. I think we can make some recommendations to the staff or to the commission about what that looks like. You may want to stay convened and then give some reaction to. We could use you as a sounding board at a later stage. Mm -hmm. After we suggest these are some methodologies, you can make some comments about that that would be used for <laughs> modification before it goes to the commission. So I'm not trying to let you off the hook or usurp. I probably get blamed for enough of that already. Mm -hmm. But um, I, th I thought you worked really hard. And what you did here is the product that I think the commission, it helps the commission the most. We're ready to do the drafting. So it sounds like the next step you want from us is to transmit that board right there to the commission and say, you know, honorable commissioners, we've met for our mandate. And this is what we recommend to you. Yeah, you're, you're not fulfilling a couple of the duties that were put in the resolution. And I just asked the commission and how they feel about that. I'll make a recommendation that we can take it from here and they probably will feel okay about that. Mm -hmm. um, then, like I said, maybe we, we put you back in action to reflect on drafts before we transmit it to the city commission mm -hmm. because you've already been thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that would probably be two or three months from now. Right. Okay. The resolution does say that the um, committee will terminate on the 30th day after the presentation of its report to the governing body. So 
maybe when that report is made, we could somehow extend its existence to cover this problem piece. It, I mean, since staff would like to utilize this institutional knowledge as, as we draft, yeah, I, I don't think the commission would have a problem with that at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they may also now not dismiss you. They might say, uh, like that, we got some feedback. Do some more of this work. <clears throat> That's possible too. In the community engagement plan that was reviewed at the beginning of this process, we also agreed that when we got to near final recommendations before they go to city commission, that they, those would be shared with current board and commission members to give them a heads up about what's going before city commission. So I think that's a, that's a promise we have to honor. So just marking that that, yeah, that will happen and that will be a moment, right? That'll be oh, a moment. But how? <laughs> but I don't, I don't understand how that would look. Like, what, what, what does that look like? Um, once we're, we're comfortable with this, we'll put it into some sort of whatever it's going to go to commission in, whatever format it's going to go to commission in. And then just before it's published on the agenda, I would want to, out of respect for their service, let uh, folks, current board and commission members know that this is what the board is going to recommend to city commission on this date. So they don't feel taken by surprise when these changes mm -hmm. arrive, because mm -hmm. this isn't what they saw in community engagement, right? Right. This is something different. So we're going to close that loop and let them know your next opportunity to engage will be to a city commission meeting. Again, that you are reflecting what you heard too yes. from the yes. input that you yes. yes. And I think generally that does. We're yeah. pretty responsive to the input you did receive. And who's going to explain the logic? I think Craig would invite some of the committee members to yeah. come to the city commission meeting where this gets loaded. Yeah. I think it's going to be. There's going to be some heat. There is. And, and, and honestly, I would share with you, um, I remember when I was on the, the Traffic Safety Commission, and this is before your time, but it got rolled into the, what, the multimodal, whatever. And I told, and I think myself and everybody else sitting there, we totally understood what was going on. And there wasn't, but even then, I remember the poor staff guy that came and explained, okay, so this is your last meeting, and you guys can vote and send one of your members, you know, to this new committee and whatever. And even then, I remember, like, everybody, including myself, were like, you know, we get what's going on, and it's a good idea. But still, I mean, you've just convened a whole new, a whole new thing. You're keeping one person from this committee. You're keeping one person from this committee. And then you're losing all this institutional knowledge in the room. You know, only governments think like that, right? I mean, it was like, even, even though there was buy-in from everybody in the room, there was still some sour grapes. And I remember sitting there thinking, I feel bad for this poor guy that came in here and was the one, because it wasn't our normal liaison. It was somebody else. And he was the guy that was there to turn off the lights. And it's probably like City Hall. And it sucked. And you know, it was like, I didn't feel like it was fair for this guy to be the guy that was getting an earful. But it's going to happen. And I just wanted to just share with you. I mean, I remember sitting there. That's a, that was a room where there was buy-in, right? And so I thought, you know, what you said right before the break was absolutely on point, which is we're not discounting your service. We're just trying to go forward in, in a good way, whatever way. It, it should be a process in a small D democracy that everybody should have a voice and a place for that voice to be heard. So just because they're not on the 
uh, PGT committee anymore doesn't mean that their opinion cannot be heard by someone in that department at city staff. I mean, being on the board makes you a little extra special, but we should all be extra special and our voice should still be heard and we should feel comfortable and feel like that voice is valued. So we're not kicking them. They're not being kicked off the planet. They just have another avenue. Their, their voice should be just as important in the ear of a commissioner that they call or email or a city manager that they call or assistant city manager that they call or email. It, it, it shouldn't change things that much. I mean, the one issue I've ever been involved in, I had to push the first six months to get my voice heard, but after it got heard, it got heard real clearly. So uh, I, I just think that <laughs> stand resolute in what we've decided. I, I, I would uh, say Craig's plan makes sense to me because I think if we, if we go down a path of designing how to make this work and what these boards look like and then send that whole package to the city commission, like actually we want five, you know, there's a lot of work and time on staff on our part that may not be necessary. So presenting them with this, that the bones, the framework of what we want to do, um, what we've come to the resolution of, and then going from there, taking that next step, I think makes a lot of sense. And whether it's at the staff level or it does come back to us, I think this this was probably the right, the next right decision. Um, my only question is functionally the what's being presented to them is that something staff is going to be putting together of. Uh, accumulation of what the thought process is, here's what we're doing, or is that something that we need to do as a committee to, to write that letter or write that presentation to them? I um, think like this, the good staff liaison, we will draft something for okay. your consideration adoption. And so we could just review that through email to say we're okay with that? Can't be by email. Okay. Yeah. Uh, an open meetings violation. So right. We'd have to have a meeting that can be in the Zoom meeting or something like that, just to... They'd have to be open to the public, though. Right, yeah. I'm, I'm open to that. Just, just want to make sure function. Is that, is that the same step with, maybe with what you were talking about? Okay. A lot of the language that gets, that gets drafted for city commission will also be useful for our current board and commission members and staff liaisons. Yep. But we might massage that message a little bit just to... Um, help them understand what this change is and how we got here. Um, and again, I just would want, in terms of order of operations, want to make sure that they are given heads up before this is publicly in the newspaper. And right, yeah. But that's that's another letter to that. It's not a, it's not another convening. Can that be the same? If we're going to have to convene for the letter that goes to the city commission. Can we? No, I meant like a convening with all the. Oh yeah, yeah. No, 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 I don't think we have to do. We just. Have it's up to this group. It's up to this group. They're connecting, connecting this whole thing to the strategic plan is really important in terms of conveying to the public. You know, this, this strategic plan is not just, you know, a piece of paper out there. It, it's meaning something. It's important. I know the commission feels that way. And we've continued, the budget was just another level of really committing ourselves to this, yeah. the way we are organized and what we're doing. So it's pretty logical. So let's just keep that 
keep that up. Yeah. Okay, let's go. So do we? <laughs> we need to have a. We have to schedule a meeting for the letter. When? When is it realistic? The letter. When is it realistically look like we could reconvene for for that letter? Well, I mean, just draft the letter, right? Send it out so that we can see it beforehand, and then we, if we're just going to meet by Zoom, which I think is very doable and very malleable to everybody's schedules. I mean, it shouldn't be a big deal to convene us again for that for that limited purpose. It's a public, yeah, for the public. How many yeah, days have to notice it well, we, and make it available for the public? We would publish the agenda like we do with the location only being Zoom and with the one item, and that letter would be published with it as well. So the public would be viewing it when you were viewing it, and then. Mm -hmm. Provide and put on it and prove it or make changes to it, and then we would it would be an agenda item on the for the commission's consideration. If you like. Does that sound? Am I missing anything, Tony? No, I mean we would have to have this as we. Yeah, but we could all meet on Zoom. If yeah, if necessary, yeah. So I'm going to be on the road a ton here in the next 30 days. I want to participate. I want to, you know, I want to be a part, see it through. But that so that actually is the the final step of this body until we may be brought together three four months down the road to help be a sounding board. Well, or the we, city if that's the will of, we might, get, that's the will of the, we might yes. get invited to come to city commission as well. Yeah. Right. To explain that's our thinking and, and just put a human face on what we achieve very powerful as many of you who could show up there to answer questions as possible. Yeah. 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 Right. Because otherwise, yeah. yeah. Can commit to that. It's just staff taking the heat, which is not fair. All right. So we don't need to set a meeting. No, we'll no we just okay. wait for the meeting. Yeah. We need anything for, for the motion to adjourn. We need to do for you for the, the boards. We can probably take care of that. I might have Sharon review it. Review, I review the email to boards and commission members. Okay. Um, if you're comfortable with that. Okay. Uh, or have I just would like someone to feedback on it, whether that's my <laughs> team or whether that's Sharon. But yeah, I think we don't need we don't need to have a meeting. If you all feel comfortable trusting us to to draft that communication. Okay. Yes. Thank yes. You. <laughs> okay. Much so. um, anything else? Uh, second. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Indicate your approval Aye. by Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>